With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get in the game. With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No. I'm f***ing geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. What up and welcome in everybody. Special edition of Hardwood Handicappers a little bit earlier in the week because the NBA draft is upon us. Absolutely cannot wait. NBA draft is like one of my favorite little events of a sporting season. The NBA draft is super fascinating. One, because we know about the NBA basketball in general being so much more personality driven than anything else. But these kids, these players, have the opportunity to change the face of a franchise. You only get five guys out on the court at once, right? So what happens in the NBA draft and how much these guys pan out in terms of being legitimate NBA players uh, will shape the future of a franchise a lot of the times. And in the NBA, draft capital is the capital, right, in terms of getting draft picks. So you get to see a team like Oklahoma City who has been stocking draft picks, Golden State Warriors to a certain extent, and then you get the little outliers where the Toronto Raptors have an insane season where they're forced to travel and play on a neutral court essentially all year long. And they still, and they get, I shouldn't say still, uh, they get a top four pick and now could be on the verge of adding an insanely talented kid like Jalen Suggs and being a competitive team in the Eastern Conference the next year. So love the NBA draft and we have a good show on tap today. Jim Root is going to be with us, some three-man weave get the college perspective on all of these players, some analysis on some of the top guys, what he's looking forward to in the NBA draft. Uh, I really can't wait to talk to Jim about his observations. But wanted to start this podcast with a little bit of a roundup in terms of information, what we're looking at with some of these top picks, what some of the information is out there. We did get new mock drafts as of Tuesday. Looks like those are going to be the final batches of mock drafts for a majority. I, I would expect guys like Jonathan Gavoni might have one more before the NBA draft gets started. But the information is out there. And it is fleeting once you get deeper in the draft, but it does seem like at the top of this draft we have 
a lot of solid information. So let's start at the top and work our way down before we get to Jim Root. First off, we really believe in the smoke around Cade Cunningham. So on July 26th, Adrian Wojnarowski reports, quote, Detroit's internal meetings are still revolving around three players for the number one pick on Thursday night. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, and Evan Mobley. Detroit isn't fully there yet on committing to Cunningham with their first overall choice. Mark Stein added on the 27th, which is Tuesday, one league source insists that one of the factors keeping the Pistons from committing fully to the selection of Cunningham is Jalen Green's recent stellar workout that apparently made the strongest of impressions. I'm here to tell you it's not happening, right? Uh, Matt Babcock of Basketball News had a, had a report said, quote, rumor has it that the Thunder offered the number six pick and Shea Gilgis Alexander in exchange for number one, and the Pistons declined. In an information-based draft, right, in an information-based event, Cade Cunningham minus 8,000, implied probability of 98.8% to go first overall. He will. And when you look at this overall, when you're talking about a offer of a number six pick and Shea Gilgis Alexander in exchange for that pick, the fact that this team really hasn't been sniffing around too much. They've worked out some guys, but it doesn't seem like they're moving out of that slot. So it is going to be that he is set in stone as the first overall pick. And in fact, it seems that the top three picks are set in stone, right? Jalen Green now minus 380 and applied probability 79.2% to go second to Houston. Evan Mobley now minus 225, 69.2% to go third to Cleveland. Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN has noted that Green is thought to kind of be a lock for Houston by league executives. Rockets, how about this? Uh, they have been, this is the word that was used, stonewalled when it has come to bringing in either Mobley or Jalen Suggs to work them out. So it sounds like, again, Jalen Green is going to be there. And you've seen that massive shift, right? At one point, remember, I mean, it's so ridiculous. One of my biggest complaints about the NBA drafts has been that they're not, there's barely available out here. And we'll get to some of the value picks because, you know, one shop getting up a little bit late in the market here in Nevada uh, hung a number that was pretty cheap on a certain guy that had been falling, and it's moved quite a bit since it opened up. But regardless, I, rem- I was on Follow the Money with Mitch m- at the beginning of this month, and we he allowed me to do five minutes on the NBA draft. And the one thing that has stuck out to me, pointed it out on that show, and it sucked because DraftKings opened this up, and Jalen Green was a plus price to go two overall, and Evan Mobley was the odds-on favorite to go second. And then Jalen Green was the odds-on favorite to go third, and Mobley was the pr- plus price there. And I told Mitch that day, those should be flipped. Jalen Green should be the second overall pick. Evan Mobley should be the favorite to go third. And sure enough, that's where we're at right now. And I think there's an argument to be made that, J- that Evan Mobley at minus 225 is actually a relatively cheap price. If you look at by most accounts, including Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, one report, quote, I think right now there's a sense of Jalen Green at number two to Houston. Evan Mobley of USC, their big man to the Cavs at number three. So again, information that's out there, it does seem like the top three picks pretty much set in stone. And it does look like, I will say too, that at number four, I think there is pretty much a factor of being set in stone, right? So with Toronto, there has been rumblings that maybe it's not Jalen Suggs, right? Maybe they're looking at Scotty Barnes. Maybe they're looking at Jonathan Kaminga, perhaps. But according to Jonathan Gavoni, oh, again, ESPN, uh, one report for him, the league overwhelmingly expects the Raptors to end up with Jalen Suggs, who is an ideal fit for their roster, could easily be considered to have the highest upside of any player available. That's the end of Gavoni's report. They brought in Kaminga and Barnes, like I said, but it feels like Suggs is the best fit here, right? You're moving on from Kyle Lowry. He's going to be a free agent. Fred Van Vliet is a dynamic and solid guard. I'm big for, a big fan of Van Vliet. 
but you need another guard with him. And Jalen Suggs provides size. He provides scoring. He's a good passer. We're going to talk to Jim Root about him as a player overall and how he can improve as a shooter, but the indications are there that he can be a solid shooter as well. So I, I think that Suggs just fits perfectly with what the Toronto Raptors want and how they're constructed. And so at $1.60, again, when we're talking about some of these cheap prices, minus 160 on Jalen Suggs to go fourth, fourth overall, to me that's a bargain. It should be well over $2 considering the information that's out there that Toronto is indeed going to go with Suggs at number four. And then once you get past four, this is where the fascinating part begins because you got a guy like Scotty Barnes out of Florida State who is the vaulter up the boards. He's a $1.95 favorite, applied probability about 66.1% at FanDuel, minus 205, 67.2% at DraftKings to go fifth overall, fifth overall to Orlando. Wow, can't get through that one. And this is why I think it's really fascinating, right? This is where, I, this is where it begins to get interesting for me. So Gavoni reports... Quote, the league has largely locked into the idea that the Magic will start their draft night by selecting Barnes. The consensus on Barnes is that he's a top five pick and is not going to get past Orlando. But here's the thing, because all the information is pointing to Barnes going to this slot, but it just doesn't seem like a roster fit in my mind, right? Like The team really needs offensive talent. You're talking about a team that finished second to last in offensive efficiency, 27th and three-point shooting. So now you're going to add Barnes, who, while he is fantastic developmentally, very big, very long, can guard one through five. I mean, really, when we're looking at this, a poor shooter that doesn't have a solid offensive game, another long wing with switchability, so like the entire Magic roster, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't really make sense from a fit perspective that Scotty Barnes would be the selection for Orlando. But every single bit of information points to Scotty Barnes being the guy for the Orlando Magic. Like, I, I want to look at this and go, hey, what about Jonathan Kaminga, right? But you can't find, you cannot find a single report tying Kaminga to the Orlando Magic. Not one. Not one. The only thing that you can find is that they worked him out. There's no intel that ties Kaminga to the Orlando Magic. So it seems that Scotty Barnes is going to be the guy for the Orlando Magic in that slot. I don't know if he fits with their roster, but I think that it, it, everything is pointing in that direction. So with that, so we get through, right, the top five guys, top five picks. It looks like, again, in the order, it is going to be Kate Cunningham. It is going to be Jalen Green. It is going to be Evan Mobley. And then it is going to be Jalen Suggs and Scotty Barnes. So what happens as we move further along in the draft, right? You know, this range of like 7 to 14, 6 to 14, this is going to be pretty fascinating. So I wanted to go through a couple of these specific player props and guys that could go in this range. A couple of fringe guys, too, in the second round before we get, again, to Jim Root, who was nice enough to give us some time. So Jonathan Kaminga played in the G League, draft position prop of six and a half. He's been tied to Golden State due to them traveling to Miami to work him out. They need depth at Golden State in the backcourt, but he, you know, the ball stops with him. He's an inefficient scorer by all accounts, and he's 18 years old, right? He's not. The Warriors are going to be looking for guys that they can kind of plug and play on the bench, right? They're going to be looking for guys that can come into this team and contribute for the most part right away. And you're not looking for like 20 points a game, obviously. But you're looking for a, a guy that you'll be comfortable with coming off of the bench in certain minutes and scoring some points for you. And you just don't know if Jonathan Kaminga is going to be that guy. Given all the flaws that we have talked about, I think he fits better with an Orlando type, right, who picks number eight. Also could potentially fit within the timetable of the Oklahoma City Thunder, right, who pick at number six. So that's going to be a range for him. And that's why this one is pretty interesting because six and a half is his prop shaded to the over at a buck twenty-five. I don't know... 
what is going to happen with Kaminga. I don't think he gets out of the top 10. Every indication is that he's going to be gone by the time he gets to nine. So it could be Oklahoma City. It could be Golden State. But the problem with this and no real edge and finding information out there is the fact that you're talking about sitting at six or seven, which is what makes or break this prop at sitting at a draft position of six and a half. But there's other names that are out there that we're going to get to that could kind of shape the process as a whole. So then you get to Franz Wagner forward out of Michigan, his draft position prop of nine and a half. This is really, this is another interesting player, right? Yeah, how about this from Gavoni's latest mock draft? Quote, the Kings are being extremely aggressive in trade talks, and there is a good chance they won't be making this pick as well as their second round pick at number 39. Well, if the Kings are not making that pick, then why has Wagner been tied to the Kings in every mock draft? And then you get further down in this mock, Franz Wagner has been long rumored to be a favorite of the Memphis run office, according to Gavoni. So we have Wagner who is tied to the Sacramento Kings, and yet, and by the way, Gavoni's not the only one that reports this, that the Sacramento Kings are probably going to be, at least trying very hard to, moving on from that ninth pick. And then you have another report that says the Memphis Grizzlies, who just acquired the 10th overall pick, have been infatuated with Franz Wagner. Nine and a half, over plus 110, the under's minus 140, and the under is telling you that it's going to be the Sacramento Kings. Every single mock draft seemingly has Franz Wagner as the Sacramento Kings pick at that ninth spot. And if he doesn't go, I mean, I think he's a really solid player, and it seems like there is a high opinion of him, and he's not going to get past the Memphis Grizzlies if that's the case. But I just find this really curious that his draft position prop is essentially will Sacramento draft him. And every single mock draft has been tied to him. And yet all the information out there is, that Sacramento Kings don't want the pick. They're trying to trade out of it. I don't know. Just doesn't make much sense to me. So a lean there to the over for Franz Wagner. How about Josh Giddy? This is pretty interesting out of the NBL. So Giddy has been connected to Memphis at number 10 after they acquired the pick from New Orleans, right? That was one of the indications was that they were trading up so that they could get him. Shaded to the under, by the way, at a big way at minus 185. However, what gets interesting is Kevin O'Connor, who came out with his latest mock draft on Tuesday, he reports in his mock that Golden State has Giddy as one of their main targets. But regardless, again, informationally based, right? I know a lot of a lot of people in sports betting will be like, dollar eighty-five, I can't do that. But if it's an informational based play, then prices like that are still worth it. Prices like that still have value. Again, handicapping shouldn't be based on the price. It should be based on the probability that you give the event that you're betting on. And if all reports indicate that Giddy is either the target of the Golden State Warriors at number 7 or the Memphis Grizzlies at number 10, and you see that his draft position prop is 10.5 and, and it's shaded to the under for $1.85, there seems to be some value there because it doesn't seem like Giddy's getting past number 10 at all. So I think that's going to be pretty interesting to see how the market moves on that because you could really understand a situation where maybe that gets down to nine and a half, especially as information gets out there that the Golden State Warriors are indeed looking at Giddy if that's the case when it comes to Kevin O'Connor's piece. Moses Moody is another really interesting one. Moses Moody, 11 and a half draft position prop, shaded to the under to buck 40. There's no real intel tying him to a team at this point. He, he kind of seems to be a riser, but like, look at, like if you look at some of the mock drafts, right? Gavoni has Moody going 8th. Uh, Vecina had him going 8th as well. O'Connor had him going 10th. Other mocks have him as high as 15th. And so when you look at the overall draft board, right, and you look at where some of these other guys could potentially be heading, if you look at where and when 
this thing shakes out. So we know one, let's just say we know one through five, right? Number six is an interesting case. Again, Oklahoma City looking for some member off the ball to pair up with Shea Gilgis Alexander. So that could be Jonathan Kaminga. That could be, by the way, one of the guys that we haven't even, um, um, one of the guys that we haven't even mentioned is Book Knight, who I think is really much, is very much tied to Oklahoma City as well. Again, another off-ball player. Same with the Golden State Warriors. His draft position prop sitting at seven and a half. So you can see Kaminga or Book Knight going in a pair of six or seven. You get Orlando at number eight, which is another intriguing spot for one of these guys. Moses Moody, again, being tied there by certain draft guys. But then you get to Charlotte at number 11. Again, talking about where Moses Moody could land. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of places where a three and D guy like Moses Moody could really fit, right? Could really pair well. And I just think that if the the whole point of me telling you talking about this is paying a price of a dollar forty and the implied probability that that carries that he's probably that he is going to go he's going to need to go seven, eight, or maybe nine, right? Because I don't think he's going ten because Memphis has been tied to two guys who they really want. One of them should be there by then, and then Charlotte I think don't need a guy like Moses Moody in the backcourt that they have. Their backcourt's pretty much stacked up and ready to go. They don't need a 3-D guy. They need more depth in the front court. Pretty interesting. I think as this gets on, as this continues to go on, that if that under continues to grow, if we get a bigger plus price there on that over plus 110, uh, over, I should say, the over 11.5 of Moses Moody, that will be a play for me. Now, Alperin and Sangoon is another one. Big kid. Um, one of these draft position moves of note, right, um, open 14 and a half, now sitting at 12 and a half at most shops. One of the youngest MVPs that you've seen in his current league, right? Has some really good touch. A lot of people indicate that he could be a dude that has enough in terms of his toolkit to stretch the floor, be a, uh, a three-point shooting big. What's interesting is Kevin O'Connor is by far the highest on him. He has the Kings taking him ninth, going back to that Franz Wagner being tied to that essentially at every single mock draft but one. But what's interesting about O'Connor's analysis when you read his mock draft is that it's not tied to intel in his write-up. It's tied to stylistic fit. And I think he's absolutely right the way he breaks it down. But again, in an event like this where you're betting money on the NBA draft and the outcome, I'm not betting on stylistic fit. You're betting on information. It's an informational-based event. And then you look at everywhere else. Zach Harper had him as high as 26 in his mock draft. No real solid intel to feel comfortable with on Sengun to play. But 12 and a half shaded to the under to buck 25. Again, running through this, I think there's the thought, right, the stereotypical thought that San Antonio is not going to let a European player go by at the 12th selection. And they also need depth in the front court, so that is a pick. But Sengun has been one of these guys that has moved a lot in terms of his draft position prop. The other that's moved, and this is one of the guys that I had mentioned, um, William Hill fell asleep a little bit on Davion Mitchell. And by the way, it's still up. And again, when we talk about informationally based and, and looking at what is available out there in the market, I wouldn't say no to it still. But Davion Mitchell over at William Hill is 10.5 shaded to the over at minus 185. It seems like Davion Mitchell is going to be a late teen, like a mid teens type selection. He's not going to go to Golden State with that first pick at seventh. He's probably going to be available in the 12 to 13 range, somewhere like that. 10.5 is. A damn good number in terms of draft position for a guy like Davion Mitchell. Absolutely 100%. Even at a price of minus 180. And I, <laughs> this is why it, it, it sucks that they're not available here when they should be. But at the same time, it does leave some edges because William Hill out here in Nevada actually opened him up 10.5 minus 125, something I, I jumped on immediately. And so they kind of fell asleep on the wheel on 
throwing up a price like that. So you get a little bit of an edge, I guess, right there. And I guess it's a big edge considering that his draft position prop is 12 and a half almost everywhere else. But you just wish that there was more available out here, man. It just really does suck. And then last but not least, one of the guys that has intrigued me, Keon Johnson, forward for Tennessee, shaded to the over to buck 35, draft position prop at 12 and a half. This one is where his draft position prop not really in line with the mock drafts. Johnson's been mocked 8th and 12th by Harper and O'Connor, respectively, but 15th or higher by every other mock out there. Seems like a solid price at $1.35 over 12.5 for such a massive discrepancy in terms of the information that's available, you know? Also, a couple of guys that I want to uh, throw out there in terms of bets that I have made that I think are going to be um, profitable. So one of the guys that I think is going to be worth watching as we watch the uh, the Olympics and everything, Guzman Garuba, who um, defended Kevin Durant to a very solid level for the most part, as much as a 19-year-old can in the friendlies against Team USA. He's going to get drafted, but uh, Garuba has been a guy who, if you look at the consensus with him in terms of the mock drafts and where he stands in terms of his average area of selection, you're talking about 19th of Asine's mock, O'Connor had him at 15th. Like, he's no higher than 15th in any of these mock drafts that are available right now. And, and that's only one, by the way. That's only one. And that's O'Connor's. And yet his draft position prop is 15 and a half, only slightly shaded to the over at about a buck 50. And we're starting to see the other markets shape up here and get to $1.60, $1.65. on Garuba over 15 and a half, I think, is a really solid play. Just given the way the market has taken shape and where a lot of the information is coming in terms of what you're looking at. And the other is... This is another big discrepancy, and uh, as somebody who watches Mount West basketball quite a bit, enjoys it, uh, but if you look into Myas Keda and where he could potentially end up, this seems like a really big discrepancy in terms of the mock drafts. If you look into Myas Keda and where he potentially could land, how about this? Mock drafts, Vecina 55th, O'Connor 59th, Gavoni, last pick of the draft at 60th. Um, you have 51, you have 57, you have 59. One, you have one mock draft that has him in the 40s that's at 41. Everybody else, 55 or higher, 55th, we should put it that way, for the draft. Average position of about 55th overall. Nemias Keita over, 47.5 and $1.40. Fair price again, given the discrepancies in the mock drafts, man. So there's a lot to get to, man. So Jim Root's going to be with us. We'll talk about the top end of the draft, what he thinks, some of the second-round guys that he uh, believes are going to be popping off the page years from now. But the draft is fun. The draft is a ton of fun, man. Absolutely love it. This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. Interact with the show on Twitter at me, JVT, at Roach underscore 97, and at VSIN Live. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, before Jim, who's going to join us on the other side, Jim Root, three-man we will be with us, just to roll through really quickly uh, what I have in terms of just some NBA draft bets. Over Davion Mitchell, 10.5, minus 125. That's pretty much gone, but you can still get 10.5 at a buck 85, given the discrepancy and the two-pick edge that you have there. Right, 10.5, but market consensus at 12.5. Still available at William Hill, Nevada, as of my recording of this on Tuesday night. Totally still worth it if I'm talking about $1.85, given the discrepancy between those two prices in terms of the uh, the draft position, right? So Davion Mitchell, over 10.5, minus 125. Uh, uh, if you look at uh, Usman Garuba, over 15.5 at $1.50. Namias Keita, over 47.5 at $1.40, Um And Jalen Suggs, fourth overall at minus 160. That's what we're rolling with here in the NBA draft. Shocky, of course, but again, informationally based, when you're looking at the draft, sometimes you're going to be laying prices pretty regularly. And I think when, when you look at the information that's available to you, that is something that is, uh, that is a time where you don't really mind swallowing something, laying some prices, if you know that the information is solid and it seems like the information around those selections has been pretty consistent. This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. Interact with the show on Twitter at me, JVT at Roach underscore 97 and at VSIN Live. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, let's welcome in our, our guest for this week. Very excited, very excited. Uh, to talk with Jim Root, who was nice enough to give us some time today on our NBA draft preview. Uh, a little bit of a different vibe, just because, of course, uh, Jim specializing in college hoops. But it's important to get the college hoops perspective, mainly because the NBA draft, I think, pilfers from the college ranks quite a bit. Uh, but at Second Chance Points up on Twitter, that is 2ND Chance Points, three-man weave. You can find all the work there. Jim, thank you for the time. What's going on, dude? Oh, man, I'm still riding high off that Milwaukee yeah. Bucks championship, as I'm sure we'll cover shortly here. Uh, and as the folks might hear, I'm a little nasally. I, maybe I celebrated a little too hard. I, I could potentially be part of it. But if I can't podcast through a little nose nose cold, then I, I can't cheer for Giannis, who's playing in the finals after his knee bent backwards. So, oh. you know, I, I, I'm, I'm battling here. Now, some would hear nasal problems after celebrations and draw conclusions. So we don't want to, <laughs> we want to make sure that that is not the case. So, so for you, so you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan. So yeah, that's what I wanted to start with. So we could talk about the narratives, right? And like the run to the finals for both of those teams and nobody cared. And like, you know, as Twitter calls them, Mickey Mouse rings, asterisks, whatever. But I to walk me through what the feeling has been like, because I will say this, Jim. So I have, as I have gotten older, I have become more jaded as a sports fan, right? But I'm a Clippers guy, right? And so as the Clippers were kind of winning games and when they made it to the Western Conference Finals, like my wife has recorded me slapping the couch and getting a little too into it. Like I kind of, that flame was rekindled watching the team that I've cheered for for so long finally find success. What was that run like for you? I mean, that's a pretty great description of it right off the bat. I mean, it was kind of a team that I've cheered for my whole life, but had gotten to a point where, you know, maybe they're just not going to win one. That's okay. I'm still going to be very invested in the, in these postseason runs. They ran into some some trouble in the postseason the last couple of years, even with Giannis. And it just felt like, I don't know, maybe maybe the ceiling's capped. Maybe Brooklyn's just going to be invincible for a few years and we won't really be able to get one. But it, it was unbelievable. They, they skated by Brooklyn in that game seven. And then just going back to the city, I was able to get back there for game four of the finals and nice. then be in the city for game six. I did not actually attend. And I didn't realize I still had some Milwaukee pride in me. I haven't lived there in about 11 years, but seeing the city fill up the way it did and, and kind of rally around the team and, and put out that image to everybody watching it, like, oh, this, this city really cares about its basketball and is going to definitely celebrate this. Uh, it was cool to see it, it kind of, it was uplifting for me. I was like, all right, I'm not the only crazy Bucks fan out there. Did you, did you make it to the Deer District? I went there post game six. I watched okay. the bar around the corner. Is it the old bar used to be the go-to spot outside the Bradley Center? And then when the when the arena moved like a block over for Fiserv and they built the Deer District, it became 
an afterthought's the wrong word, but I, I got to shout out Major Goolsby's. If you're in Milwaukee, it's a heck of a bar, a real gem. And then after the game, we we wandered into the district and experienced the madness. So walk me. So you you get you make it to the finals, and obviously everything that happens in Game Seven, right? KD, who allegedly wears shoes that that are a size too big for him because it makes him feel like he's walking on air, that his toe is on the line. Your team wins that series, and then move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. But then when you look at this from the perspective of, okay, we've made it to the NBA Finals, but now we're down two nothing here to the Phoenix Suns. Is it like that, what you were talking about? I was like, ah, well, you know, we made it. It's fine. Sure, like, ho-hum. Or is it like, no, we're here. Like, what the hell is going on? I'm pissed. There was a little rationalizing of like, yeah. ah, you know, maybe maybe this is just kind of the ceiling and maybe we have to lose in the finals before we win. Uh, but we, we also had been up 2-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years back. One of my friends hyped that up. He's like, let's let's be, you know, let's make Phoenix the ones that have to regret being up 2-0 and, and are going to live with that. And fortunately we're able to turn it around once once they they got home got the crowd behind them they clearly figured things out a little bit game two also phoenix had shot the ball so incredibly well from deep yep. that was a little bit of an encouragement factor like all right maybe that's just not going to continue the bucks have really dominated the paint they started to figure out how to defend the pick and roll a little bit better i mean the game one was an absolute disaster in that regard game two two they, they gave up so many corner threes but yeah there, there were just enough positive signs that we had a little hope. I just, I didn't want to attend game four when they were down three Oh, that would have been a disaster, but uh, they, they were able to do just enough. And once they got game three, I was all the way back on board. I, I thought it was a very winnable series. So are you in now that this has happened now that they have won the series? And one of the things that I've come around personally as somebody who watches basketball a lot, analyzes it in the NBA. Uh, I think Bud deserves a lot of credit for the things that he did in terms of adjusting and and unlocking that small ball lineup and kind of getting broken out of his ways. And yes, to a certain extent, he was kind of forced to do it. But at the same time, he deserves credit for rolling with it and, you know, using Pat Connaughton in massive roles. We had like a sneaky, amazing series for the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA Finals. Are you on board the Bud train? Is he the guy now? I am. I I, yeah. I I think he answered a lot of the the questions that we had about him. I mean, rotation stuff. Oh, why is he playing Jeff Teague? Well, there's no real better option. Right. And a lot of the the adjustments, like you mentioned, you know, that he he tried different moves defensively. He played his stars more. That was always a big thing in the past. And he played almost like 39 minutes in a playoff game. It, he he answered those things, and it's crazy that maybe he was a toe away from being fired after the Eastern Conference Finals, but. Sometimes the margins are that thin and maybe that's that, that awoke him to what he needed to do, but I'm, I'm in, I'm sure the extension is in the works at this point for him. Uh, and it's, it's well-deserved. I, I was very impressed with what he did in this run. Well, I got to say uh, if the hope and excitement that I felt just from a run to the Western conference finals, I would assume is doubled by the fact that, you know, the team actually winning. So a very, very much congratulations to you. That is a, it is a cool feeling. The last time I felt this was 2006 as a sports fan, I was in high school. I, I am a Colts fan as well. And when they won against the bears, it was very exciting. So that's cool, man. Congratulations. I, I appreciate it. It's, it's led to this very Zen feeling about sports. We're like, yeah. I'm a huge Packer fan too. And all this Rogers stuff, I'm just like, whatever, it's fine. We got a Bucks title. Uh, that stuff can just roll off my shoulders now. Yep. Yeah. Right. It gives you a pass for like a year. Like everything's cool. Like whatever happens after this, at least for a year, we're going to be fine. And hey, I made the case. And I'm sure you would agree. Uh, out of the two teams that were in the NBA Finals, Milwaukee's path is much clearer back to the NBA Finals than it would be for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Just got to figure out what's going on with Brooklyn. And mm -hmm. and but it's not the East is certainly not as stacked as the West is right now.
So NBA drafts coming up on Thursday. Uh, obviously, you, your expertise, College Hoops, you guys have done an incredible job over at Three Man Weave, you yourself as well. How much do you get involved at all when it comes to like NBA draft stuff? Because you follow these guys so closely when it comes to College Hoops. Is there an interest when they make the transition over to the NBA as well as being an NBA fan? Absolutely, 100%. I used to write a big board for our website. Uh, I did it for, I think, three or four off seasons. I haven't done it for the last two um, it, it, but it was always pretty exclusively college guy based. Like I, I don't come in here with a lot of Alper and Shengun takes, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, right. but, uh, I, I would try to rank all the, those college guys and find a couple ones that, that, that I was higher on than maybe the consensus. But, uh, it, it's, it's definitely something that I enjoy. The draft is one of my favorite things to watch every year, uh, just to see where the guys end up going, what kind of fit they end up with. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very in, I'm happy to talk about it with you and we'll see what we got on the board here. Cool. So, all right, well, let's start at the top because, you know, I I, um, I watched Cade Cunningham uh, frequently, uh, not frequently, right? You know, I, I've seen, of course, a, a lot of the, the highlights and the mixtapes and, and analysis behind him in terms of his game. I can see some of the comps when it comes to a Jason Tatum, maybe, maybe a Luka Doncic to a certain extent. I think when you see a, a comp like Luka Doncic, you don't compare the game. You think he's going to be a tremendous player like Doncic. I can see the similarities in terms of where their skills are strongest. But I'll ask you, your evaluation of Cade Cunningham, look, he's going to go number one overall. But I'm curious as somebody who has watched these guys, like, is he really like that much better than the pack that this is a, like this should be the cinch that Cade Cunningham is the best player in this draft? I'm pretty torn on this. Like, I think he's awesome. I think he is a worthy number one pick. I think the Lucas stuff is definitely a comparison in terms of style of play and getting mm -hmm. that like jumbo point guard that can be your primary initiator. He's a terrific passer, like absolutely incredible passer that I think probably got undersold because of the, the quality of his teammates this year and the willingness of other defenses to just throw multiple defenders at him consistently. But I also think like Suggs is terrific. I think Evan Mobley is incredible. I mean, he made USC under Andy Enfield, USC had never finished higher than 49th in Ken Palm, but with Mobley, they finished sixth at the best offense, the best defense. He was a huge part of both sides of that. So I, I don't think he is a, a, a bad consolation prize at all in that top three or four, but it just coming back to Kate, it seems like it's more that positional value. Like how tough is it to build a title around a title contender around Evan Mobley? Mm -hmm. Whereas it, it does seem like if you have that primary perimeter initiator, the way Kate Cunningham is, that's the clearer path to being a quicker title contender. Yeah, 100%. I think you hit it on the head, right? So not essentially Luka Doncic, but the fact that this is a six foot eight guard who can handle and potentially run your offense. If you're due to the point of attack is the size of a wing player, like that's, it's a massive edge for a lot of NBA teams. So one of the knocks has been right in terms of just the general consensus. I guess, is there an apathy to Cade Cunningham's game? I guess you could put it that way. I know that there were some disappointing out, uh, outings, right, in the uh, NCAA tournament, namely that first game against Liberty where he was a little underwhelming, shot 21% from the floor. Also against Oregon State, not great in terms of efficiency. And you saw that. And I, I think, is it fair to say that that OK State team had its moments where it was really solid, but he was just a high-volume kind of scorer for them. And in the NBA, where the role is going to be lessened a little bit and more of a lead guard initiator, as you've put it, that the efficiency is going to spike here a little bit for him as his career goes on. That would be my expectation. And they, they faced, you know, those two defenses they faced in the tournament were a packed in pack line for Liberty and then a zone from Oregon state that was very able to pay a ton of attention to him because there's just not a lot of shooting on that Oklahoma state roster outside of him. So they're able to throw a lot at him. There was a lot of during the year where it felt like he was trying to let the game come to him. Like he, he would score a lot more in the final 10 minutes than he did in the first 30 
Uh, he was kind of a, a guy that saw the moment, wanted to try to get his teammates going r- rather than just carry them the whole way and, and be the guy that was high volume for 40 straight minutes. But I, I do think with better spacing in the NBA, more teammates that can spread the floor for him and attack off of his passes, create advantages off his kickouts. I think he's going to blossom a little bit more. I, I was frankly a little more impressed with his shooting coming into this year than I expected to be. Uh, he had a lot of tough step backs, you know, the type of shot that portends good things in the NBA because you have to be able to create your own that way. Yeah. When that was, those were the two things that stuck out to me, especially in today's NBA, because, you know, free throw shooting is usually an indicator of a guy who can shoot the ball relatively well and going through some of his numbers. I didn't realize how good of a free throw shooting he was. He was like 85% in his college career at Oklahoma state, his career is one year, but right. Like he's a, he's a good free throw shooter and it looks like all of his skills really do translate over to the NBA. So I get being the first overall pick. I think it's always surprising to see a minus, you know, 10,000 next to a dude for the first <laughs> overall pick. And you assume that that is going to be like, that's the gap between him and his peers, and maybe not so much the gap between him and his peers. It's just the way that, hey, the way the board breaks, the Pistons, even though these smoke screens are coming out, they're going to be foolish to pass up on him. I don't care if they drafted Killian Hayes before. This is the guy that they're going to build around. Yeah, I mean, you look at the kind of the flack that Dallas got, or, or the teams ahead of Dallas, excuse me, got for yep. not drafting Luka. You just can't live with that. Like, if you're Sacramento, you're you're, you know, you're so sad right now. You're looking at Marcus Bagley instead. Um, sorry, Marvin Bagley. I get those two confused. Uh, but yeah, I just don't think Cade is a is a player type or a talent that you can pass up at that top spot. So let's go to Evan Mobley then, because uh, Mobley is a pretty intriguing piece. Uh, and I, I think Mobley, what Mobley suffers from is just the fact that in today's day and age, uh, it is hard to look uh, like you kind of mentioned it, right? It is hard to talk yourself in as a franchise. Let me spend the first overall pick on a big. And he's not a traditional big. He's a, he was a forward-facing guy. He can stretch the floor a little bit more, uh, right? I think on the season, he was only a 30% three-point shooter. But the, there is some skill to his game, especially in the mid-range area. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on evaluating his skill set. So what kind of a player are we looking at with Mobley? Because right now, we're talking about minus 225 to go third overall. I think that's a cheap price, given the information that's out there, given the ability, I think, to fit with the Jer- uh, Jared Allen type. I-, I think he would be much higher or should be much higher in terms of the price on him to go third overall. But what's your evaluation? I- I'm very in with that evaluation. I think maybe the only way you lose that to go third overall is if somebody leapfrogs Cleveland to get that two spot to try to take him. Because right. he is he can be an elite number two. I mean, the the crazy comparison that came out from the GM recently was Bosch on offense, AD on defense, which, you know, if you have a guy wow. like that, you're, you're going to win titles, but that's it's pretty you know, damn good. Right. I, that's, that's like what we were saying with Cade being Luca, it's more the type of player he can be rather than the actual high quality, but I mean, he's, he's an animal. Like he's everywhere defensively. He's so long. He blocks a lot of jump shots, which was kind of an AD thing back when he was in college. He just has good instincts, good timing that way. It's not all help side stuff. Uh, and then, yeah, his skill set is really impressive for the size and the length that he has. They tried to give him the ball in space a lot, let him attack off the dribble because he had that in his game. And teams really struggled to deal with it in college. No surprise when you've got a seven footer that can put it on the floor and, and knock down those mid range jumpers, like you said. So when you when I looked at some of his numbers, right, Hoop Math does a great job breaking down by area of the floor. And he's a 46%. The thing that stuck out to me, 46% of two-point jump shots. But it, when you watched him, how much of those were like, like legitimately mid-range shots? Because I know sometimes there's like hook shots or push shots anywhere in that range. Like are those legitimate like step out and hit like mid-range jumpers? I think some of it is. It, yeah. It's probably a little more, like you said, you know, it's, it's hard to differentiate some of that stuff as mid-range shot. Right. If he's taking a hook shot from – 
12 feet. They're probably putting it as a two-point jumper, but he really has touch. I mean, the, the free throw shooting, 70%, but I, I think that's pretty solid enough to project it highly, and it just looks very fluid. I, I remember watching him shoot free throws and thinking, wow, I mean, that is a smooth motion for a guy with uh, that kind of size and that big of hands. I mean, the hand size always ends up being uh, an issue for some of these guys, Giannis being a, a huge example of that, but he, he looks comfortable doing it. And I, I feel very comfortable projecting that he'll at least shoot from, from mid range and maybe expand to the three point line uh, once he gets into the NBA. Yep. And again, Mobley right now minus 225. And for those who are listening, it might seem like high price, but you know, these are informationally based uh, events, right? NBA draft, NFL draft. And a lot of information is pointed to Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Woj even said it himself uh, that the Cavaliers are uh, preparing themselves to take Evan Mobley with the third overall pick. And as Jim mentioned, maybe you get beat somebody leaping over Cleveland to get that second pick, but it doesn't look like Houston's trading back. They're trading up. Uh, to go ahead and get uh, maybe Cade Cunningham. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So it seems like one, two, three are going to be Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley. Four is where it gets a little murky. And you've mentioned uh, the, the name that I think and is the odds on favorite to go in this spot. Uh, Jalen Suggs, $1.60 favorite. I think Suggs is just a, a really solid point guard, right? Like he, if you look at everything in terms of the NBA today, if you can't get that 6'8 initiator like a Doncic or a Cunningham could be, you know, I'll take a 6'4", 6'5 guy with the tools that Suggs has, and it fits perfectly with the team that's moving on for Kyle Lowry, no? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was just reading Sam Vecini's updated, like live update mock draft, and he did say this is, you know, he was surprised at the, the fact that Toronto was looking at different names and potentially listening to trade offers, but – Ultimately, it does sound like Suggs is going to be the choice. He's got that big ball handler. He's he's crazy athletic. He's got nice bounce, really good uh, good good first step from the perimeter. He he was in like the most ideal scenario to succeed in college. He played with an awesome team that had multiple other weapons. He didn't have to be like the only guy that was making things happen the way that Cunningham did at Oklahoma State. So obviously, you know, figuring out that context and how much that matters is important, but. I, I think going to play with Van Vliet and being like the bigger guard next to him that can guard twos and they can alternate the, the creation duties on offense. That makes a ton of sense for me. He'd be very well coached under nurse. So I, that would be a good outcome for Suggs too, I think. So when I looked at the thing that has stuck out with Suggs and, and looking at him going into the NCAA tournament, watching him, and he had some good shooting games, right? He was two of five in both the Baylor and UCLA game. He hit two of four against USC. The shooting numbers, is that like, because you saw some really high variance performances, right? Like you saw games in which he was hitting like 50, 60% of his shots. And then you saw other games where he would go over from the floor. But the amount of shots per game, I think he only averaged like three, three and a half attempts per game. But where is he at as a shooter? Because 33.7% in today's NBA, doesn't it doesn't pop off the page. Yeah, especially when you're talking from college range, like you're projecting it out further than that. I mean, he did take a lot from NBA range. It was kind of a, I don't know if it was a, like a bad thing or if he was trying to display it, but that's something that's progressing. I think coming into college, that was a concern for him. And he's done a pretty solid job answering those questions so far. But yeah, he's not going to come in and be like some kind of guy that y- y- you can't go under picks against him because he'll just step back and hit threes the way you know Lillard or Curry would be. But he he's going to at least, I think, be respectful or respectable where you can't help off him a ton. He'll knock down some shots. And it's, you know, the, the, the work ethic that people talk about with him, the free throw shooting is there for him. So I, I think he's going to get there as a shooter. He's not great right now, though, mm-hmm. like you said. 
And again, the free throw shooting usually indicates it and over 74%. It should be, uh, should improve as his career goes on and as his rookie year goes on. So, all right, so we've gotten through the big names right at the top. Uh, let's take a look at some of the risers and some of the other guys who could go late in the lottery and later in this draft. One of the names that has been really hot, Jim, uh, has been Scotty Barnes, one of the big movers in the offseason. Seems like he is a guy uh, that has risen on draft boards. I always laugh at the, the fact that guys rise and fall on draft boards. Teams evaluate these guys. They know where they want him. We just get the information late. So Scotty Barnes, but walk us through his game. He's been comped to a Draymond Green type. Uh, the We talk about shooting numbers. The shooting numbers uh, turned me off a little bit about Barnes, but a dynamic defender who can guard pretty much one through five in today's NBA and is pretty good within the arc. He's going to have a place. And the other part about it, which has been surprising to me, I didn't realize how good of a passer he was. Yeah, he's he's a like kind of an outright bad shooter, like, like yeah. you're saying. I'll steal another phrase from Vassini here. He called him a no-level scorer, which <laughs> is it's a tough it's a tough uh, moniker to get tagged with. But he's just unbelievable at everything else. Like he's a like you said, one through five. He can guard point guards. He did guard point guards this year. Sometimes for you know the whole ninety-four feet, he would he would turn them a few times. And at his size, six nine, two thirty, like that is that's a valuable asset to have. I mean, he's not quite Ben Simmons size, but that's kind of like current Ben Simmons where people are a little jaded with him right now in his offensive game. That's almost what I see Barnes as like, he's not really going to be a devastating offensive player probably ever, but he's going to defend like crazy on the other end. He's going to set people up because he's a terrific passer and he was trusted with that role at Florida state, which is really you know surprising because he didn't come in truly as the point guard, but I, I think he's going to be a really good complimentary guy not going to be your best player on a title team, but for teams that maybe already have like elite scoring, mm -hmm. he fits really, really well there. So, and this is what I find pretty interesting, right? When we talk about fit, because when I look at a player of his type, I in look right now, he is the odds on favorite by a large margin, minus dollar 95 to go fifth overall. Uh, a lot of the analysis I have read, some of the information coming out, he seems like a better fit for an OKC, would he not, at number six? Like, I think if you're looking at some of the draft position stuff with him, you know, I would be going like an over five and a half and nothing against him. But I feel like, one, if you're talking about his skill set, what Orlando already has on the roster and teams and guys that want him, it seems like it's Oklahoma City who is looking at him. Yeah, the fit definitely makes more sense that way. I I, I will say that price, I think, makes sense. I, I've heard from a guy or two that Oak Orlando is really in love with him. Orlando, that is. Like, yeah. Um, so that makes sense that they're really looking at him at five, but he does feel a little redundant with something, especially Jonathan Isaac coming back from that ACL. Right. You've got that incredible one through five defender that isn't quite there yet offensively. Is that kind of, you know, redundant there, maybe a little bit. And Fultz is, is there for ball handling still. I think they just love the guy, the, the, the character, the player, the, the versatility that he has. But yeah, I, I would worry about Orlando's ability to score in the future if they're throwing a lot of lineups with both him and Isaac out there. Right. We have this insane lineup with so much length, but I just don't know how we're going to score. <laughs> like it just like you said, it's a good word redundant. And for those who are looking around, you know, again, draft draft betting is great. You can shop around. Scotty Barnes, a dollar ninety-five favorite to go fifth overall uh, under the five and a half draft position prop is minus four hundred. So a lot of stuff indicating that he's probably going to go to Orlando, uh, but you get a pretty good comeback there if you want to go over the five and a half and essentially think he's going to go to Oklahoma City. So is Scotty Barnes, one of the biggest risers. Uh, let's talk about one of the, and I guess we can call him a faller. I, I think more of the momentum behind a guy like Davion Mitchell was the performance in the NCAA tournament. 
how much of a steal do you think he is in the late teens? Because I took him over 10.5 at William Hill at about minus 125. That price is now upwards of $1.70. Most places have his draft position at about 12.5. I think he's a good player, but he still feels like a, like a late teens type of selection, no? Yeah, absolutely. I, I was just listening to uh, John Hollinger and Chad Ford talk about this, and they listed the the lottery picks that are 22 and over, and it, there's been like nine of them in the past 10 years. And it's not it's not a really illustrious group of players so trying to force that in the lottery, I think, would have been a poor choice with him. But now back to where it's settling, he's going to be incredibly useful. I mean, the, the people making the comp to his brother, don't do it. It's, he's not close. He doesn't have a seven-foot wingspan. His is only like 6'5". He's not the shooter that his brother was. Uh, so I, it's, it's not a good comp, I don't think, to make just because they have the same last name. But he is an incredible on-ball defender. He has a lightning-quick first step. I mean, he just blew by people in the NCAA tournament consistently. And with the shooting that they had around him, that bent defenses to a point where they just they, they couldn't handle it anymore. So I, I think he can be a really solid ball hander, creator. He's going to be a terrific defensive guard. I, I just almost no questions about that. He's already solidly built. He's super quick. He's really competitive. But yeah, towards towards more of those those mid teens, I think it makes sense for a team that is a little looking more towards win now rather than yep. drafting for upside. Yep. And he's been tied to that point to like a Golden State type. Uh, the Indiana Pacers have also been thrown in there as well. Again, adding a dude who can just come out there and be a solid perimeter defender and contribute immediately to a team that is looking to compete. So I think that's why he continues to fall too, right? If you're if you're a team that is in within these top sixes, you're maybe at Toronto, but Toronto's got a draft position where they don't need to take him in that position. So Davion Mitchell is going to be a good, pretty good player. He's one of the ones I'm excited about. I like guys who can, like, I think he did it multiple times in the Arkansas game and the Gonzaga game, where he just clears everybody out, calls a straight, and it's just like, no, I'm just going to beat my guy. Like, everybody move around, move away, and I'm just going to destroy this guy off the bounce. Like, players like that are some of my favorites to watch, and he's totally that dude. Yeah, oh, that first step. I, mean, I yep. remember a couple plays in that Arkansas game where, I mean, that's a long team with a lot of good defenders, and he just didn't care. He's like, I don't, I, whoever's on me, I am beating you. I'm getting to that lane. It was a lot of, like, drive left but finish with the right, just get inside those longer defenders. He he has a nice little finishing package at the rim, too. All right, let's talk about who would you rather have, because these are two names, too, that have been rising up boards. And Moses Moody's a guy who I – like, I have a wide variance of all these drafts, like mock drafts, of where he could end up from 7 to, to 20. Uh, but if you're going to go with James Booknight or Moses Moody, who would you rather have and why? All right, I have a couple uh, first factors to answer this with, first of all. First, this is like the, the seventh guy we're talking about, and it's the third guy from Montverde's 2020 class, their, their high school class. They had Cunningham, they had Scotty Barnes, they had Moses Moody, and they also had Dayron Sharp, who's another potential first-round pick, too. It, it is That team was ridiculously loaded. I, I have a friend on the coaching staff there, and he's like, yeah, it was the easiest team to coach that we've ever had. <laughs> um, second, though, it does sound like, regardless of who, who you and I prefer, Booknight seems to be the answer out there. Mm -hmm. I, I think that under 7.5 draft, draft prop is, is getting priced pretty heavy right now, and it seems to make sense. I've heard... People looking at him at six and at seven at Golden State potentially wanting to, to get another score out there with, with Curry and Thompson in the backcourt. My actual opinion, I think I'd go Moody by the slightest of margins. He's a little bigger. He's got a 7-1 wingspan, really good defender. Going to be better than Booknight on that end almost for sure. And Booknight's main advantage is he's a great shot creator. But I, is that really what you're trying to get out of the, one of these guys? I mean, I guess if you're trying to get – that, that home run, potential home run pick with, with an upside guy that can be a leading scorer for you, that's probably book night. But I like the versatility more of Moody. He's a year younger too, so maybe there's a little more uh, higher ceiling for him there. But yeah, I, I go Moody, but I think these two are 
are very similar and mm -hmm. it makes sense that they're being compared to each other. You mentioned book night's price. Actually, the position opened up 10 and a half. It's all the way down to seven and a half. So we've seen that movement there. Um, Moody right now, you can find 11 and a half on him. So under 11 and a half, that put him in the range of Charlotte. Memphis now, who has the 10th overall pick. Sacramento, who's been tied to uh, Franz Wagner very heavily. Orlando again at eight or Golden State at seven. But when it comes to Moody, do you think he falls in that range of like seven to 11 or is 11 and a half a little too short? I guess a little too short, just because I haven't heard the same kind of buzz yeah. as I have with Book Knight. I don't know which of those teams is going to take a Memphis. It sounds like maybe they're targeting Giddy. Uh, maybe uh, Golden State's looking to get both of these guys at seven and fourteen. That would be that would be quite a, a pull for them. But yeah, like you said, you can kind of place what's going on with Sacramento. And I, I kind of feel like Charlotte might go as one of the older guys, but we'll see. I, I haven't yeah. got a ton of great read on them. Yeah, Charlotte has been tied to uh, Corey Kispert, uh, and I think that that's been one. And Kispert's been one that kind of surprised me. Uh, maybe just I, I'm just stereotypical, uh, but I was surprised to see that the um, the rise of Kispert in this offseason. I know it's a little off topic, but I think uh, Charlotte has been tied to Kispert. Do you think he's going to be a legitimate player? He seems like he's going to be a lottery guy for sure. Yeah, he sounds like a great Charlotte guy. I know, I know yeah. Michael Jordan loves his four-year guys over there, but uh, he's – it's kind of the limited upside, but if you're Charlotte and you think you have the star and LaMelo ball, then it makes sense to get a guy who's going to be a solid defender. He's going to be a terrific floor spacer and he gets kind of a, a knock on his athleticism, but he was a really good two point finisher for almost his entire career. And I think he's got a little more to his game than the just like, token white shooter reputation that he's been tagged with yep all right two more before we get you out of here again jim roots with this three man we've uh, has done a phenomenal job over there and it's a very entertaining podcast as well and everything um so we have picked his brain for quite a bit so two more for you one uh chris duarte big riser as well is that warranted in your mind i i think so but only to a certain extent like i was talking about the lottery guys earlier that, mm -hmm. that, that have been drafted at 22 and older he's 24 he'd be the oldest lottery guy taken in at least the last 10 years probably a lot more than that uh he, he's really good he's solid he's I kind of he's like a jack of all trades good shooter multi-positional defender he's got a lot of length he's pretty well coached coming out of college from from oregon with dana altman i know that the, the dylan brooks thing has worked out quite well for memphis coming out of that system and he's a solid passer. He's not going to be like a primary creator, but he's going to be a good connector on the perimeter. He's going to make the right pass, the right read. It's just, if you're in the lottery, you probably want a higher ceiling than a 24-year-old that you don't know really is ever going to be anything more than like a, a fifth starter type of thing. So he's a little like Davion Mitchell, where I think he's great, but it's more late teens type of spot if you're trying to find upside there. But like you said, he makes sense for the Warriors because that's, that's kind of the, the plug and play type guy. Yep, and he's been as high as 20 and a half uh, in terms of his draft position prop down to as low as 15 and a half over at DraftKings. So, again, you talk about one of those risers. There's been a lot of action to move in those in terms of his draft position. Uh, is there anything, any other player or any draft prop that has stuck out to you before we get you out of here that you think that the information should be out there on or any other player that we're going to look back on two years from now and we're going to be like, that guy, how did, how did you know, what do we, how many uh, picks went ahead of Chris Middleton? 40, whatever it was. Yeah, that guy, exactly. How did he get so far? Well, the one that I, I, I'm, well, I'm way too embedded in draft Twitter. I don't really tweet as much about it, but I follow all the, all these great writers and a lot of guys with very strong and, and well-researched opinions. And they are in love with Jaden Springer. He, he seems mm -hmm. to be the one that's kind of going in the twenties in a lot of mocks that, projects really well in statistical models. He hit more shots last year than, than people expected, or at least at a higher rate. It was relatively low volume for Tennessee, but 
he's kind of a you know a little bit like Suggs, and he's a really big lead ball handler. Should be an excellent defender, solid creator out of the pick and roll. It, it just maybe he's more one of the guys that should be in that that high upside end of the lottery type situation, like almost like not not same type of player, but almost like Donovan Mitchell was back when he got drafted. Where if you're looking for a big swing late in that lottery, it could be Jaden Springer as a freshman out of Tennessee. I like it. Again, three-man weave. So what's the offseason like for you guys? I mean, we're kind of getting up on November. So what do you guys do in terms of the offseason? What's the uh, planning and getting ready like? Well, it's uh, it, we, we just started a countdown at our website where we, we count on the top 40 and we release a team preview per day. They're, they're like a thousand plus words on every team. We, we get way too into the nitty gritty. And the, for anybody that wants to just like read a whole book on every team, we've got it for you. Uh, but we'll do that 40 straight days. Then we'll have conference previews. We end up doing all 358 once once it's all said and done before the season starts. So so that's a big thing. Uh, hey, you had one more question on the outline that I wanted your perspective on. Who, who are the, the second round guys that, that you're interested? I'm curious. So I, you know, I, when it comes to some of the second round dudes, I think one of the guys that is kind of falling that in maybe he's going to be an end of the first round guy, but watching him in college, I was a big Ayodesumu fan. And I feel like he does have a lot to offer to a team. And it might be one of those again, where like you're reaching for a guy that potentially could impact your roster right away type deals. But I think to me, out of everything I have seen from him in terms of his game, I would assume it was actually been at the top of my list of really intriguing late round selection, like late first, early second, that I'd be really excited to see in the NBA. Yeah, he was the kind of guy that it seemed like he added something every year, which yeah. is the, what you want out of a young guy that's improving. He added a little more shooting. He became really good out of the pick and roll as he progressed in his career. So I, I like that. I, I've got, I wrote down three second round names just to go for ones it. that I like. I've got. A guard, I think Joel A.I. is going to be a solid yes. role-playing wing. Uh, he, he rebounds, he cuts, he shoots. He does a lot of the things you want out of a role player. I think Nimi Keita, the big guy at Utah State, pretty limited offensively, but he's a one of the, maybe the best rim protector in the draft outside of Evan Mobley. Uh, and then Isaiah Livers out of Michigan, just one of the best shooters I saw all season. He's big. He's got a ton of size and a wing. So if he if he gets taken in the second round, I think that's a really good value for whoever gets him. You know what? I'm really quickly because I'm glad those are two names that you brought up that I, I was going to be like, I, you know, I got to ask him if I have time. One, so I, I covered the Mountain West in the past. I like Mountain West basketball, right? You know, went to really enjoy the, the basketball program as a youth. Um, Namias Kate is going to be, I think, really, really solid just because, you know, we saw in this NBA finals, you watched it. The value of like a backup big guy who can help you in terms of rim protection. You don't think like a Phoenix Suns type, right? Could have used the Myers Kate at the end of that series against Milwaukee. Absolutely. I mean, that was yeah. kind of what once once uh, uh, Aiton was off the floor, the, the yep. Bucks just ate at the rim. So you just need a guy that's going to eat some space in there. Yeah, and, and Isaiah Livers, I think, is pretty intriguing too. I mean, because injuries have have been part of his story at Michigan, have they not? Yep, absolutely. It's been the last two years. I think their ceiling really changed the, in the NCAA tournament when he went out just because the spacing wasn't as good anymore and it closed down on Hunter Dickinson. They, they could double the post a lot more. He is lights out. I mean, he's been over 40% for, I think, three straight years and up around 45 in a couple of them. Yeah, I always wonder about guys like that, like if they were healthier, right, and maintained that level of play. I think we're talking about a first-round pick if, if those injuries aren't a part of his story. Yeah, if he plays in the tournament and Michigan gets to the Final Four and, and people kind of fall in love and see him on that bigger stage, I, I definitely think that would be a possibility. All right, Jim, man, I appreciate it. I know I kept you for a while, but this was this was freaking awesome, dude. I, I really do appreciate the insight. No, I, I thought we were going an hour, so I'm, I'm happy for, for to offer you whatever time you, you want. So thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote 